You know how when you get a message in your heart, you just preach to yourself? And so I just told, I just told him, I've been preaching to myself all week, and then all of a sudden I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I want to pray right now because this is such a dear message um, to me, and I just pray that, are you ready to hear the word? Are you ready to hear some things? Um, and I pray that the Holy Spirit, because every one of us are in different places in our walk with the Lord, in our journey in Christ. So I pray that the message I give and that I speak and I share with you today from the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit will take it and specifically show you something fresh and new in your life. And so that's what we're going to pray. Lord, we just come before you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We ask you even now that as I speak, I know that in and of myself, I am nothing unless I am connected to the vine, which is the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus. So, Lord, I just connect myself right now to you that let your words flow out of me, Lord. Holy Spirit, you use these words to take it to every person here and show them and teach them and reveal to them things that you want to show them, Lord. Not what I want to show them, but what you want to show them. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the everlasting God, the everlasting Father that loves us, that looks to us and enjoys not only our life, Lord, you know every one of our days and how many of them we have. And Lord, you love every one of our days. Lord, Draw us to where we will love our days in you, and we will be drawn to you in every one of those days. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, amen. Well, I would like you, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. Now, I, I taught this message probably about 10 years ago, but it's one of those messages I just started going through again just because of journaling and things like that, and the Lord began to show me some fresh new things. You know, we've been talking about, Pastor's been talking about the Holy Spirit, right? And, of course, landscaping our lives through the Word and what we speak and how we speak. And just the, we've been talking about pressing into the presence of the Lord. And so this message, as I was going through it again, the Lord began to show me some things about, you know, don't you love it? I don't care how much you know a scripture and how much you have studied it. You can be in a different season and you look at it and you see something fresh. You see something new and it just begins to speak to you in a, a whole new way. And so, and you know, Pastor Dan's right. The word of the Lord, God himself, there's so much vastness to him. We will forever be learning about the things of God and the ways of the Lord. So this is a, um, you know, I was looking in this situation and I'm going to go back. This is really the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and we're, again, there was two crises in their life. There was the crisis of, the first crisis was Jesus was coming to dinner, you know. Of course, every woman in here, if you think about Jesus coming to your house and you had to, you know, clean your house and make dinner for Jesus, everybody just, everybody just better get out of your way, right? <laughs> You're going to clear things so that you can make it perfect and, and because you want to give your best to the Lord. Well, there's, this becomes a crisis for Martha. But then the second crisis is going to be when their brother dies. And so we're going to look at the power of the presence of Jesus in the first situation and the power of his resurrection in the second and how it affected people in those situations. So the power of Jesus' presence in our life and if we recognize it and then the power of his resurrection, how is that affecting us? And so let's look at um, 
Luke chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 38. And it says, Now it came to pass as they went, and it's speaking of Jesus and the disciples, that he entered into a certain village. Now see, up until this, the chapters before, Jesus had already sent out the 70, two by two. They were out ministering, healing, preaching, all of this. And they were they came in, they were like, Jesus, you know, even the demons were subject to us. And Jesus is like, you know what? Don't marvel at that. Marvel that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Marvel that you know God, Right? Marvel that you know who he is in his presence. And so here they are, and then come into um, Bethany here. And th that's the village they go to. It's Bethany, and that's where Martha and Mary and Lazarus live. Now, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, they're brothers and sis two sisters and a brother. They're single. Um, and so Jesus had visited with them many, many times, and they were not only good friends, they were dear friends. Jesus really loved them. And so they come, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Jesus is teaching, and she's listening to the word of God. She's listening to the word of God, just like you are. <laughs> uh, never mind. And, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. The word cumbered here is really she was distracted she was drawn away because she was so concerned about what was going around in the house, trying to make sure her dinner was perfect, that her meals were perfect, that the house was perfect. You know, every line of the vacuum had to be, you know, the, you know me, me make lines in the carpet? Maybe you don't. But anyway, some people, too, they get a little OCD, and they have to, everything has to be perfect. And, you know, Martha was like, don't go in that bathroom, Lazarus, till after Jesus comes, right? You know. And so, all right, just mop the floor. Don't go in there. And, um... So anyway, she was cumbered. She was so distracted. I want you to pay attention to this because we get so distracted with life and petty things in life, little things that, are, that really don't matter. They're important, but they're not the utmost of importance at that time. And so here she is being distracted. And she's, um, Martha was distracted with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her, therefore, to come and help me. Now, Martha is sitting there doing her work, and she's looking over at Mary, listening to Jesus, and she's getting more and more agitated that Mary's not helping her because petty people are consumed with themselves. They're consumed with what they're doing and what their purposes are, and all their think They're just selfish. They think about themselves. And Martha's not thinking about what Mary is doing with Jesus. You know, Mary and Martha, they had, they've historically seen Jesus minister. They've already seen and heard Jesus teaching. And Martha's more concerned about her house. And let me tell you, it's not that these things aren't important. And, and Martha's not a bad person. Just in this situation, she's not really aware of who it is that's sitting in her house right? Who is it that's sitting there on her couch preaching and teaching the word of God? It's Jesus Christ, the son of God. And Martha is concerned about these things. So she says, Lord, tell my sister to get up and help me because petty people always get somebody else that has authority to tell everybody else to do what they want them to do, right? Have you ever noticed that? Do you work with people like that? <laughs> You know, somebody's always going over your head or around you to get you to do what they want you to do instead of them coming to you themselves. And so here she is um, telling Jesus to tell Mary what to do. And Jesus said unto her, Martha, Martha. He's like calming her down. Martha, Martha. He said, you are careful. In other words, you are anxious 
about many things. You are concerned about a lot of things. He said, but one thing is needful. In other words, Martha, it's not, you, you, your dishes are so good. We appreciate everything you're doing. There's something more important here. There's one thing is needful here. And he says, and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So here we have Jesus telling Martha that the most important thing is the word of God. The most important thing is what's happening here. So Martha, as she's, again, so distracted, she doesn't even recognize the presence of the Lord in her life, in her home. And I just want to, again, encourage you that, again, these crises, you know, Jesus coming to visit, Jesus' presence in our house, that those are the most important things. When we're, get, when we're seeking the Lord, we're seeking to be used of the Holy Spirit. We're seeking to grow. Don't let all these things get distracted. You know, our inner man, which is our spirit, is housed with our, man, our outer man, which is our soul. And then we've got our outermost man, which is our body. The body just does whatever the soul or spirit tells it. And so the soul has to be the one that is put down and does not let, you don't let the soul, because the soul gets so distracted the soul has a mind of it, wants to do its own thing. And it has to be put under, really, submission to the spirit. And so this is, again, a situation where Martha and Mary, it's a small situation. It's a small crisis. But how many of you know those little small crises in families tear families apart? You know, all of a sudden, family members aren't speaking to each other anymore because of small distractions, small crisis. Because somebody's trying to be more spiritual than the other. Or somebody's trying to get somebody to do something that, they want the other people to do, and they either manipulate because they're petty. And so all these things cause really chasms in people's, in families, and cause families to be divided and split. So it's a small crisis in their life, but these things can really take over. And the Lord is just saying right here, Martha, presence of the Lord, the word of the Lord, stick to that. And you know what? That will actually give you that comfort and take care of that frustration and that anger you're feeling because you will sense what the Lord is doing. So here they are. This is the first crisis, okay? So then I want you to go to um, John chapter tw uh, 11. And this is the second crisis. This is the second crisis. Now this, this story, I love this story. This is the story where Jesus... Jesus is going to show us how he is going to walk and be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want, well, of course Jesus does. He's God. No, no. At this time, Jesus is human. He's come in the flesh. He's one of us. And he's actually our example on how to walk in the Spirit and be led of the Holy Spirit and not be distracted by all these things that are around us. And so here he is walking with his disciples in a situation, and it's going to be the second crisis. So John chapter 11, it said, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it's that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. This is the same Mary that we're going to see later on is actually going to anoint the Lord's feet. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you, thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Now, most people use this to say, well, you know, God makes us sick so that he can be glorified. That is, the, that is a lie. 
That is not who, God is not a narcissist. God does not have, he's not an egomaniac that he has to make you sick so he can be glorified. That's not what he's saying. Actually, the Lord right now is being led of the Holy Spirit and he has a word of knowledge, one of the gifts of the Spirit. He's going to have word of knowledge and word of wisdom right here and he's going to speak it out. And he knows that Lazarus is sick and he's two days away, right? And so as far as his journey, and so he knows he's sick, but already the Holy Spirit is telling him what's going to happen. And so he said, this death is not, I mean, this sickness is not going to result in death. It's not going, he's not going to die. He's actually, he is going to die, but it's not going to result in complete and eventual death. And so Jesus knows this, and he's speaking a word of knowledge right now. He's got knowledge. The Holy Spirit has told him something. Word of knowledge is where you get an, an insight from the Holy Spirit about a situation and how to fix that situation. Word of wisdom is where the Holy Spirit tells you about somebody's life, a little portion, so that you can speak into that, the word of the Lord to that person, and that's a word of wisdom. So Jesus is speaking. He's getting a word of knowledge, and he's speaking a word of wisdom right here to them. And he's saying, okay, the sickness is not, but God's going to get the glory in this whole thing. And you know what? The Lord's going to show who I am to, to man. That's what he's saying. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so, again, they're dear friends. He's been to their home many, many times. And so he is looking at and thinking about what Mary and Martha are going through. And you can see already the words talking about his love for them, his compassion for them coming out. And it says, and when he heard, therefore, that he was sick... He hurried up and ran over there and healed Lazarus right away, right? No, he sat there for two more days, still in the same place where he was. Because again, Jesus is being led of the Holy Spirit. Up to this chapter when we read, we find out the Jews at this point had tried at least up to seven times to kill Jesus, to try to capture him and kill him. And Jesus knows if he goes right over to where Lazarus is, they're going to be there ready for him to capture him and take him. So Jesus knows he has to wait. But he knows the power of God working in his life. And he already has word of wisdom and word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit of what's going to happen. So he's not in fear. And he's waiting for the, again, not to get caught because it's not time for him yet to get caught. And so he's being led of the Holy Spirit. Then after that, he said, after those couple of days, then he says to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And his disciples said to him, oh, Lord, the Jews of late sought to stone you or kill you. And you're going to go there again? And Jesus said, Our, this is Jesus right now teaching them about how to walk in the Spirit, which they don't know yet. They only know Jesus because of his teachings, because he's not died and resurrected and sent the Holy Spirit yet. They don't know what he's talking about, but he's going to teach them something about walking in the light. And he says, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day or daytime? If any man walks in the day, he stumbles not because he can see the light of this world or in the light of this world. And if a man walk in the night, again, there's 12 hours or 24 hours at night, he does stumble because there is no light in him. And Jesus, again, is speaking about the Holy Spirit in his life who's giving him light, the light of God, giving him wisdom and understanding and knowledge about the situation. He's walking in the Spirit. Jesus is a man here. He's not God yet. He's come in the flesh, and he's walking because when you're like, well, of course he is. You know, that's, that's what he came to do. You know what? That's what you came to do, too. Did you know that? You came 
created by God to know God, to walk in his light, to walk in his presence, to walk in his spirit. You've been given the same, same gifts. Jesus said we will do more than he does. So again, he's saying these things he said. And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I'll go that I can wake him out of his sleep. Well, then his disciples are like, well, Lord, if he's just taking a nap, he's fine. And Jesus is like, how be it Jesus spoke of his death? But they thought that he had spoken of taking rest in sleep or his nap. Then said Jesus to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So that's when they, um, and he said, I'm, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. In other words, I'm glad I didn't go. You know, even though his heart wanted to, he loved Mary and Martha. He knew they were in grief and mourning. They knew things were happening. And, and he, he wanted to go and comfort them. And I said, you know what? On second thought, I'm glad I wasn't there for your sakes, all of your sakes. And he goes on to say, to the intent that you may believe. This is the biggest, biggest obstacle for every believer is to believe. How many of you are believers? We say we're Christian. Well, I'm a believer, right? Our biggest obstacle is believing what Jesus says, believing who he is, believing, again, what he has come to teach us. And he goes on to say here, to the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let's go. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, this is doubting Thomas. Just remember, doubting Thomas is here in this situation. Doubting Thomas is going to watch the resurrection Okay, unto his fellow disciples, let us go. And so that's what Thomas says. Okay, let us go that we may die with him. He figures Jesus is going to take him there. They're all going to die because they're going to get caught and there's going to be this battle. Again, we need to believe who he is. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had, um, talking about Lazarus, that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem about about two miles. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And when Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary sat in the house. Now we're going to look at here. We're going to see some mourning going on here. This is a word that the Lord has been uh, directing me and giving me. I've been doing a study on mourning, um, on grieving, because I, you know, I'm, I'm discovering so many, there's so many vastness to mourning and grieving. I know um, our sister Louise uh, teaches a class on grief and mourning, and it's, it's good. It helps you get through the steps, um, through the word to get past. But there's, there's some things about mourning and grieving that I'm learning, and, and I know this this is, does not even compare to anybody's if you've lost a loved one. But, you know, my dog just died. You know, my little Sophia that I've had 14 and a half years. Now, I know people, some people, their dogs are live outside, but my dog lived in, inside. My dog, you know, slept with me. My dog, you know, sat on. My dog's place was not on the floor, on the bed. It was on the couch. You know, that's what happens when you get older, right? <laughs> you start taking care of But um, and I was preparing for Sophia to pass because she was old, you know, and she was having issues. But when she did pass, I really had a hard time because Sophie loved me. You know, animals don't have an eternal spirit, but they have a soul. They have personalities. And every time I would go out of town, Sophia would wait for me and wait for me. She would get so mopey, you know. Um, you know, and as soon as I came home, she would just get right back into her normal self. And, you know, and I would feed her and we would snuggle and she would just always want to be with me. And, you know, she was just, a, she was such a blessing to me. She really was. I dearly loved her. Okay, so, you know, Sophia passed. And for days, I just went into this, oh, this grief and this crying. You're like... Really, Terry? 
I, can I just tell you that the last dog that our, our dog died, um, Ginger, which was, you know, many, many years ago, it took me three months to get over Sophia, Ginger's death. I'm doing much better with Sophia. So see, I'm getting better. And, um, but Sophia was just one of those things in my life that was just really dear. So as I was crying, and I, I just felt this really heaviness all the time. I wanted to be depressed. I wanted to eat. You know, I was like, you know, emotional, distressful eating. You know, I gained weight, you know, through all this. And just this heaviness. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to see anybody. Gary's like, we need, you know, why don't you go out and let, let's go to dinner? I'm like, no, I, I'll, just, I'll just cry in front of everybody. You know, I don't want to do that. I just, need, I just need to get this out of my system. You know, I just need to go through this. Because grief does need to be processed. Because we are emotional people. God gives us these emotions and these feelings. And again, I'm not saying that my dog has compares to anything. I'm just saying I went through this process. And we all go through this process with a lot of different things. Not just even the loss of people, but the loss of a job, the loss of a home. What about the loss of just tangible things? I mean, one time we had our house robbed, and they took my grandmother's wedding ring that my mother specifically gave to me. And, you know, all three of us girls, I have two sisters, we were fighting over this, and my mother gives it to me. And so to me, I had this treasure in my house that was my grandmother's, and it was stolen. And I grieved. I was just heartbroken over that. You know, and you're like, you're heartbroken? Well, we all have things that we get, we feel loss over, and grieving can set in, and then mourning can set in. But let me tell you, there's a, the word talks about there is a time for grieving and there is a time for mourning and then there's a time to stop mourning. And so learning about this has been helpful for me because I think that there's so many things in our life that the enemy wants to take and there's a spirit of mourning that wants to attach itself to us because that spirit really wants to keep you down, keep you depressed, keep you, um, and it, it does. It does. It, it just wants to take over because mourning has its own like characteristics. Mourning looks for death. Mourning looks for loss to attach itself to so it can pull you down and keep you there. And I was reading Psalm 30 that says, Lord, it says, you have turned my mourning into dancing for me. You have taken my sackcloth, and you've girded me with gladness. To this end, my glory will give praise unto thee and not be silent. This is talking about that mourning is important. But you know, in the Old Testament, God only gave him 30 days for mourning. Did you know that? He, he, he's like, after that time, you need to get up and move. Because mourning wants to focus on death and loss and despair. And God wants you to focus on what he's doing. He wants you to focus on life, not death. And I know there's people, I mean, I'm looking at the fear, and they've just lost their family. So you're in mourning, and we cry with you. We weep with you. There is a time to do that. And I don't want to dispel any of that because it's, it's important to mourn. But I also want you to know there's a time where the Lord wants you to take that situation. Because Psalm 30 says, to this end, in other words, to the purpose of, to the purpose of, my glory will give praise unto thee. In other words, my glory, the things that bring glory to God in my life will give honor to God. Even the things of loss can bring glory and honor to God. And it says, and not be silent. We need to speak we need to say out loud 
what God has done. We need to look at, if we've had loss of people, we need to look and say and rejoice in, in their life and who they were and do things to celebrate. You know, the opposite of rejoicing and celebration is mourning. And the Lord wants us to break through and not let that heaviness stay on us. We break through and so that we are walking in, um, in the, really the celebration of life that God has given us, right? And so, uh, believe me, I am just learning. I, have been do- I just started doing this today. But this is already what I've been learning. This is already what I've been sensing. This is already what the Holy Spirit's been showing me. And so I just had to tell you. Because in this story here, we're going we're gonna to see some mourning happening. We're going to see what, what Jesus does with mourning. Because Jesus is so dear. And, I mean, his Lazarus, they're, dear, they're close friends. And so let's go on here. And it says that Martha went out and Mary sat in the house. Mary is really weeping and crying. She is really mourning. And rightly so. Her brother died. And so, again, it's not dispelling that. But Martha, man, Martha got up. She heard Jesus is getting close. She got up and she went out there. And the first thing she says to him is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You know, she immediately blames Jesus. It's his fault that Lazarus died, right? And he goes on. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, whatever you ask, God will give it to you. See, Martha, she's already, she's seen the, the ministry of Jesus. She knows that Jesus gets his prayers answered. Did you know that? Jesus gets his prayers answered. And she's like, I know, whatever you pray, God will give it to you. And Jesus, I love this. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Hallelujah. Your brother will rise again. Hallelujah. Roy, you will live. You will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. So Jesus right here, he's just declaring right here the promises here. And he says, Martha said to him, well, I know. I know he'll rise again in the uh, resurrection at the last day. In other words, at the judgment day, you know, wrong. You know. And Jesus said to her, no, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus is letting her right now. Martha, believe in me. I am God right here in front of you. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection. I'm the living water. I'm the one right now that will meet every single need you have in your life, even the death of your brother. And she is so distracted by all the stuff around her, she doesn't even see Jesus. Martha's still in that place. Even though she's in the presence of Jesus, she does not know his power. She does not recognize who he is. Well, I shouldn't say that. Jesus said to her, okay, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And he's talking about it. And she said, yes, of course, Lord. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She knows he's the Son of God. She knows he's been sent by the Father. But she hasn't pressed into who he is to learn of him and to grow in her own life, to let the things of God operate in her own life. And when she had said this, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly and said, okay, the Lord wants you to go see him. She said, the Lord is calling you. 
The master has come and he calls for you. And as soon as she heard that, again, Mary too rose quickly and went out to meet him. Now, Jesus was not yet coming to the town. He was just right outside, but was in that place where Martha had met him. And the Jews, which were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary, she quickly rose and went out. They followed her because they thought, okay, she's going to go to the grave to weep. You know, how many you know that there are mourners that are paid? You know, in the Bible, there was paid mourners, people who are paid to cry. I would say, I could be one of those people, you know. <laughs> I cry over everything. You could pay me. You need me to cry for you? Just call me. You know, I could be a paid mourner. So these people right here were all following her because they're going to watch her go mourn and they're going to cry along with her, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying I really am sensitive. You know, I sense things and it just, it, I don't know, I'm tenderhearted. And um, so um, that's what they're going to do. They're going to go cry with her. Uh, they followed her. And then when Mary was come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. And this is what she says to him. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. See, Mary, who was sitting at the feet of Jesus before at Martha, I mean, at their house in Bethany, she was listening to the word and she was listening and receiving. And Jesus said, she's got the better part. She's doing the better thing to help again for her to know and understand who I am. But because of this crisis, because of a death, she's so distracted. She's, she's so, every, everything that's going around her, that's what she's paying attention to. And she's watching her sister walking around. If he would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Where was he? Why didn't he come? You know, and Martha's going around the house. If he hadn't have been here, he wouldn't have died. If he would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. You know, Martha, because Martha just says things. And so here we've got Mary. As soon as she sees Jesus, she just repeats what she's been listening to. She just repeats what she's been listening to. What are you listening to? And she goes, well, Lord, if you had been here, my brother hadn't have died. And when Jesus saw this, when Jesus saw what was happening to Mary right then, and he saw that, that heaviness, really the works of the devil trying to overtake and overcome her um, because she wasn't seen, really. When Jesus saw, therefore, her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. This word groaned, is, is, it means to like snort like a horse. <laughs> It's like that. Can you believe I just did that? <laughs> I look so purty, and then I snorted. <laughs> but anyway, I shouldn't say I look so pretty. I just mean that I'm in a dress, which is a big surprise, right? I'm like, hey, people, I wore a dress for you today. <laughs> anyway, so here she is. Jesus is getting so angry at what the devil is doing right now in these people's lives that he's overcoming them. And he's, again, it's that spirit that wants to attach itself to bring you down to some sort of depression that you don't have the breakthrough in your life. Jesus wants you to have breakthrough in your life. And heaviness wants you to stay down and he says here, and when he groaned in his spirit and was troubled, in other words, <clears throat> here he is getting angry and mad. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, oh, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. We're seeing the humanity of Jesus here still. This is who he is. He cares about Mary and Martha. He cares about Lazarus. He knows he's gonna, what's going to happen to Lazarus, but he's still weeping for his sisters who are overcome with, with what the devil is trying to do in their life. 
and it bothers him. And so again, and he said to the Jews, or then said the Jews, oh, behold how he loves him. Jesus is looking and he's seen their unbelief. He's seen Mary and Martha, they just don't believe him. All the things he's been teaching them. They're in this big crisis and it all went out the window. And they're back to letting the devil just kind of take over. And he's angry about that because he knows why he's come, to bring them life. And if they would believe him and they would know who he is and press into him, they would have that. And so here he is, again, trying to press into their lives with who he is. And some of them said, oh, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, caused even this man to not have died? Couldn't he have stopped his death? And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said, oh, Lord, oh, he stinks by now. It's been four days, you know. Now decomposition has taken place, right? And so here's Martha. She's, <laughs> you know, all Martha's thinking, what's going to happen, you know? Again, she's, Martha's all distracted by what's happening in the physical and not what the Lord himself is doing. And so, and Jesus said to her, <clears throat> did not I say to you? that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, and this is the part I love. I love these scriptures. Look at, here is Jesus. He's in his humanity. He's been weeping over Mary Martha what's happened. He's taken, he's seen what's happening in the spirit, and he's trying to take back what the enemy is trying to steal in their life, which is him, the things of God that he's taught them, and they're, they've completely come to a place of unbelief again. And Jesus is like in a place where he's about to do this great miracle and raise Lazarus from the dead. But right in the middle of it, he stops and starts talking to the Father. This is what we've been talking about, walking in the Spirit in the presence of the Lord. God is always with you. He's never not with you. The Holy Spirit is always there. Whatever you're doing, whether you're cleaning the house or you're about to raise somebody from the dead, he's with you. And Jesus is going about doing the works of God, but the presence of God is with him, and he's aware of it, and he knows it. Actually, in John 16, Jesus tells the disciples, there's going to come a time where all of you are going to leave me, and I'm going to be left alone. But I am not alone. The Father is always with me. That's what he tells them. Father is always with me. And so here he is in a place where he's about to do a miracle, and he stops, and he looks up to heaven. This is what he says. He says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. And I know that you hear me always. But because of all these people standing around here, I'm saying it, that they may believe that you sent me. Because see, Jesus already said to Martha, your brother's going to rise. Right? He already said that. He already told him he was going to rise. And, but they didn't believe him. Here she is, oh, Lord, you can't open that. He's, he's going to smell. She still has not caught on to who he is, his promises, and what he's doing in their life. He's walking in the spirit, and he starts talking to God, and he says, Lord, you always hear me. I know you hear me. Did you know God hears you? He hears your prayers. When you're praying the word and you're praying, in faith, God hears your prayers. He is not deaf to you. The word says he's not deaf to us, and his arm is long to, to reach out to us in those places we're at. And so he goes on to say, and when he had thus said and spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound, uh, bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said to him, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary <clears throat> and had seen these things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Some believed him, and you know what? Some people still didn't believe him. You know who one of those people were? Thomas. Thomas was there. He saw Lazarus raised from the dead. But what does Thomas do later on when Jesus raises from the dead? I'm not going to believe it. So we're always wanting miracles so that we'll believe. You know, some people with a miracle, Jesus can stand right for and they still won't believe it, right? But not me. How about you, <laughs> right? I'm going to believe him. Again, Everybody wants to blame Jesus for everything bad, but Jesus says, you know what? If you believe me, I'll work in your life. Mary is grieving. Martha is mad, right? And grief, the grief that wants to come over us, you know, at times, there, again, there's a time where we mourn, but if it keeps going on and on and on, it blinds you. It does. It's a heaviness that's wanting to attach itself to you so that you are literally paralyzed. You are immobile, and you no longer can bring the glory of life that God wants you to bring through your life and rejoice in the things, in the seasons that God has for us. So again, Jesus being led of the Spirit here does what the Father told him, and again, and um, everybody's watching not everybody around him really wanted to really wanted him to believe him. They didn't. So look at chapter 12 of John, and we're going to look at now what's happened. We're going to look and see. Now they've had this crisis, the presence of the Lord here over in their house. This was their first crisis, dealing with the presence, and all the people in the house dealing with the presence of the Lord, and if they noticed it or not. Martha didn't recognize the presence of the Lord. She just kept, you know, doing her busyness. Mary recognized the presence of the Lord and sat at his feet. And then we have the resurrection, the power of his resurrection. And you've got some people that it affects them. You know what? The power of his resurrection, you've got um, Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. We're going to see how it affects him. And then you've got Thomas, who saw the resurrection, and see how it affects him. And so here we look at verse 12, and it says, Then the six, I'm sorry, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Where, what's in Bethany? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. So here he is again, coming to visit the sisters and the brother where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There made him a supper. In other words, they're making him dinner again. And look what's happened to Martha after all this. And Martha what? Martha served. Martha's still doing what Martha does best. And there's nothing wrong with serving, but there's one thing better. There's something more important than just serving. It's knowing who's called you to serve. It's knowing the one in which has gifted you, created you to walk in your gifts of serving. It's knowing how to serve as unto the Lord and not unto yourself. And this is what Martha has done. She's still serving. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Did you notice the first? We didn't know if Lazarus was there or not. It doesn't even talk about Lazarus the first time. It just talks about Mary and Martha. Now, I'm sure Lazarus might have been around. 
but he didn't talk about Lazarus. Maybe he, you know, Jesus came to your house many times. Maybe he wasn't there. We don't know. But we know now that when Jesus comes, guess who's sitting right next to him at the table? Lazarus. He was raised from the dead. The power of the resurrection affected him. Where Jesus is, he's going to sit there, right? Martha's still serving. Lazarus is next to him at the table. And it goes on here to say, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. You know what happened to Mary? She was so affected by the power of his resurrection. She's no longer just sitting at his feet. She's worshiping him. She's covering him with everything she has, something so costly. She doesn't care because those things don't matter. Money is just a tool. It's not our God. It doesn't matter. The things of life, they, they're important, but they don't. What, what's most important is knowing Jesus, worshiping him. And she's in that place now. It's affected her. And it goes on to say, then Judas, one of the disciples, Judas said, Simon's son, which would betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he's the one that held the treasury bag. He was the accountant for them, and he was stealing from them, so he wanted more money in the bag so he could take from it. Let, <clears throat> and he had the bag and bear what was put in it. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Against the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor... For the poor always you have with you, but me you do not always have. You know, there is always going to be needs. There's always going to people that be people that have needs in life. There's always going to be a time to minister to people. There's never going to be a time where we're not going to get distracted or busy with helping people in their needs. Whether it's your own family, or whether you're in the church and you're helping serve, or whether you're at your job and you're helping, you know, you're getting paid for it, but you're still using your gifts to serve in that place. And so there's always going to be needs. There's always going to be people. Jesus is the one person that we have to put as priority. Now, Jesus was telling them, you know what? I'm not going to always be here. In other words, in the flesh. But they don't know this yet. He's sitting in the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God so that he can come and dwell and be in them and lead them and guide them. Because, see, that's what Jesus has been doing this whole time. He's our example in all things, the word says. He's our example of how to walk with God in this earth, being led of the Holy Spirit, serving and loving people, but taking over the power and the works of the devil and not letting those things rule and reign in our life and not getting distracted by the things that are important, which is the word of God, our worship, and knowing him. Amen? So here we go. We've got, the poor you have always with you, but me you will not always. I will be there. And Jesus says, just like the Father, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. So the question is, what is the power of Jesus' presence doing in your life? And this is not to make you feel guilty or bad. (laughs) You know, sometimes we just have to sit and evaluate where we're at. You know, have I noticed what the Lord has been doing in my life? Have I been really distracted lately? You can tell when you get distracted because you're getting mad at everybody. Right? You're getting mad and you're falling into that petty attitude of, why aren't they doing this? Why is that happening? Why aren't they taking care of this? You can tell when you're getting distracted. 
Because those things that the people are doing, you're getting your eyes on them instead of on the Lord Jesus, instead of on worship, instead of on praise and letting God use you to actually be a part of their life and showing them more of who Jesus is. Amen? So the power of the presence of the Lord is something that is in our life every day. And we can be going throughout our day, and we can be doing something and serving, and we can be just like Jesus. Father, I think that you hear me right now. I'm about to go in this situation, and I pray like right now, Lord, you give me the words out of my mouth to speak in this situation. We no longer look at people after the flesh. We don't look at what everybody's doing. We don't judge and criticize what they're doing. We ask the Lord, what can we do? Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn, and I came to save it. I came to love the world. It's the Holy Spirit's job to condemn the world of their sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's not ours. So here we are as believers, believing him with the power of the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit in our life every day. And we can stop and say, anytime, Lord, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that you're going to help me right now. Say what I need to say and do what I need to bring. Restoration, healing, joy, whatever in these people's lives that I'm about to interact with. And then what about the power of his resurrection? Jesus, when he died, rose again. He, brought, he gave to us the power of that resurrection life. We're going to see baptisms next week. And that's all just, again, it's an outward expression of what's happened on the inside of us. We die to Christ. I mean, <laughs> we die to the flesh. And we rise again in Christ. We die as far as, again, a spiritual thing. And we say, you know what, we rise up in resurrection life in the power of the resurrection. In other words, we've been given power, the same authority that Jesus has, to look at situations and have discernment, use the gifts of the Spirit, get word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discernment. And some of you don't even realize the gifts you have. You naturally can, you're, some of you are just so naturally perceptive. Like you can look at a situation and you can see, oh, you can see what that person's trying to do. You don't even have to, you know, some people don't see it, but you see it. That's a gift, right? That's a gift. You have gifts of the Holy Spirit that tell you and help you and show you and lead you in your life so that you can do the works of the Lord. Jesus said, he taught the disciples, the, what, what gives God glory is that you're fruitful, that you bear much fruit and that your fruit remain. And so the Lord wants you to reproduce and bear fruit in your life. And you do that by walking with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you get discernment. And you watch and you see. And you hear what the Holy Spirit wants to tell you. And how you even build your gifts, build your spirit as you sit at Jesus' feet and you worship him. And so it's all learning as a believer how to walk in this life with the power of the resurrection and the power of his presence in our life every day. Amen? And you have everything you need to do that. You have everything you need. Jesus, for the resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection gave us not only salvation, but healing. He gave us every gift we need so that we can walk, knowing not only who we are in Christ, but accomplishing the, the call on our life and defeating the works of the enemy. Because they're there, Right? Do you see people? People have so many needs. You know, all the people around, you can see, do you not sense that? The needs of people are so good. And Jesus said, you're always going to have people with needs. 
Learn to use your gifts. Learn to press into the power of his presence and his grace so that you can be fruitful in the kingdom and bring down the works of the enemy and bring up and lift up Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So we are the part of blessing the kingdom and helping lift up Jesus through the power of his presence and the power of his resurrection. Amen? Amen. Have you been blessed by the word? Okay, would you stand?